Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. Listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. Welcome to part two of the Star Wars Action News Year in Review. This time with us, we've got Steve. Hello there. Jerry. Howdy, howdy. Barrent. Hello, everybody. Nathan. Hello, everyone. And last but not least, the man whose voice you hear all the time, Brock. Hello! So this week, we're talking about the rest of Star Wars collecting in 2010. Looking back at all the various products, and I want to start off with one of the most hotly debated topics in our forums, and I think in Star Wars collecting in general, and that's Gentle Giant's vintage 12-inch figure replicas. Mm. <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> hmm. Well, I'll, l- let me start off with a positive note. I like them, but not the way they're doing them. They don't need to do all the different characters they're doing. I think... I think that's kind of a neat thing you do with just a couple key figures. I like the FET. I have the FET. Uh, thank you to Arnie and Marjorie for uh, procuring me a FET. I'll probably get the Vader because I have a lot of Vaders, and I want an R2-D2, and really the rest of them are just hit and miss. You know, don't 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 be doing a Walrus Man or a, uh, even the Tuscan Ray. I mean, they're, they're kind of obscure. In fact, if they hadn't announced that they were actually doing so many or talked about doing so many, I may have gotten into the line, but thankfully they threw that out there. I'm like, hey, I, I'm, I'm not touching. Maybe, maybe, you know, two, maybe three. Just to clarify, R2-D2 himself is not 12 inches tall, right? He's to scale with the rest of them. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I presume he would be. They haven't announced anything yet, but I mean, he, I, I would be upset if he was actually 12 inches, but yes. Agreed. <laughs> he and the Jawa are both like six. Okay, but with a sensor scope coming up, he could be taller. He doesn't have a sensor scope. He's 1977 accurate. Oh. Have they announced or shown anything on that specifically? The R2? Uh, he's been on the back of the card. Oh, okay. Mm. When you get them. What I love so much about the R2-D2 is, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the uh, the 12-inch scale uh, Lil Iletti line from, from Mexico. Their 12-inch scaled R2-D2 looks identical to the Kenner one with the really weird dome. And it, it's priceless, and the body's a, a sticker. I mean, it, it is like the four-up action you know version of the Kenner figure. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of digging that they might do the uh, the r2 then yeah with the vac metalized i i'm right there with you jerry in that i don't think they need to do all the characters that said i am in the exact opposite camp of you as to which characters they do and don't need to do i don't think i need luke leia and han i really don't i think they're some of the most bland looking figures ever whereas hammerhead warrior's man greedo and the jawa oh yeah i'm down i am i'm it's on like donkey Kong. 
I, I think if you go with R2, if I was getting R2, I would have to get 3PO, right? So that seems to me like a no-brainer if they want to sell extra figures. I think most people would have to get both. But I'm right there with Arnie. I think a Greedo would be much more interesting to have. But I think they should have started with you know the Stormtrooper and the Boba Fett and the Darth Vader. That makes a lot of sense to me. I also agree with what Arnie and Marjorie said on the show about how I don't like the, the big seams and things like that. But I like the idea very, very much. I think it's kind of cool. But I'm not rushing to buy any of these right now. I'll, if I can get one at a lesser price eventually, I probably will. Well, you have to buy 3PO and R2 together because they're life partners. And they <laughs> will have problems if they are not together. And you're going to have to medicate them and have all kinds of problems. R2 will be malfunctioning within a day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would get the droids, honestly. I think they're really cute. I think they'd be awesome. But I'm not loving the people because I think they look wrong. It's just it's not meant to be in that scale. Every time I look at both the Stormtrooper and the Boba Fett, I just keep I can't get around seeing a pool toy. I have the Stormtrooper and it's the only one I have so far. Um, Boba Fett one was just a little bit too expensive for me after, you know, aftermarket. But I got the Stormtrooper and I love the pool toy. You know, I love his big cuddly self. Um, I'm with you, though. I'm Brock. I think you're absolutely correct. If they would not have announced all of the other figures that were coming down the line, if they would have just maybe released a figure then announced the next one in line, it would have set up that, you know, I got to have it or what's next. But when they they just trot them all out, you can kind of pick and choose and say, OK, that one's no good. I might get that one. That one's no good. Let's see what it, let's see what the next batch of 12 is going to look like. And I think that was a mistake. But uh, I, I like the Stormtrooper, and I'm, I'm kind of iffy on the next batch. But then what's going to come after the next batch? Because, you know, it's just going to, for me, it's just the more obscure, the better, as far as I'm concerned. I, I agree that the human ones, like the, the, the Leia and the Han that we've seen, yeah, I wouldn't buy those. I, I just don't think they're exciting enough. I hear what you're saying because the Hammerheads and the Walrus Mans and the Greedos, I know that's a favorite of yours, Arnie, so you, you definitely want to see something like that. They're definitely colorful and they're cool. But to me, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to pick those up. I mean, I probably rattled off the, the three that I know for sure I'd get. And Brock, like you, if they vac metalized the 3PO at that size, I'd, I'd probably get that as well. But uh, it's very, very limiting. I, I hope to God, I think we can all agree that hope they're not going to do all, well, really there was 100, but, you know, 92 figures with all, you know, it, a General Maydine, Imperial Dignitary. I mean, <laughs> that would be a freaking waste in every way, shape, or form. The price point's totally wrong, though. I mean, might they have considered doing this as like a six inch, maybe just scale it up a little bit instead of 12 and maybe gotten the price down to, you know, something a little bit more reasonable. That I think that would have been a smarter move. But I, I, I like my FET. The, FET. the FET's cool, and I'm looking forward to getting the Vader. The problem is at six inches, possibly Hasbro would have said no, because then you're only like two inches bigger. You're at He-Man scale versus Star Wars scale. It's not a different enough scale. But I agree that I think that they're limiting themselves far too much because let me tell you, some of the figures I have always thought were the best from the vintage line as far as just design were Return of the Jedi figures. And I would be all over a man a man yak face royal guard with velvet cloak you know oh, yeah all of those in 12 inch scale they'd have my 80 dollars a figure for those but the way they're going i'm gonna be 90 before they're released and i'll be paying in yen good call by the way on imperial guard not only because that's a kick-ass figure but because it has the cloak 
and you can hide all the things we're complaining about with the scale issues. The only part you might see it is on the side of the helmet, and that's it. You could totally live with that. Yeah. So completely right. I think you're dead on about that. I, I also want to say, though, if I was going to get a human one, I might actually get Luke Skywalker X-Wing pilot because his head is mostly covered. So that's the only human one I would even consider getting. You'll still have your seam, though. Yeah, but yeah, I, I love that figure. For me, like you, your Greedo, even though he wasn't my first figure, he was one of my first figures, Luke Skywalker X-Wing pilot. And that's my, one of my favorite figures from the old line. So that partnered with what we're talking about with humans earlier. I, would, I might get that. And along the soft goods lines, how about a nice Yoda with an orange snake? And then they can also do the brown snake variant. Mm. Yeah, that'd be good. I was just thinking that Gamorrean Gar would weigh like 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'd be hollow like an Easter bunny. Do you imagine if they like went and did the uh, the Wampa and the Jabba, like the sideshow one, the 12-inch scale? <laughs> that'd be <laughs> – there could be no stop to this. <laughs> Back to A New Hope, I really like the look of the vinyl cape Tuscan. Um, that would be one I would consider picking up in this 12-inch line. You know, I'm just not sold on the huge vinyl capes, having seen them at Comic-Con and at Celebration. I like the figure sculpt. I'm just, when you take the vinyl and make it that big and that thick, for some reason to me it just looks wrong. I think that's too flat. I remember the vinyl always being really glossy, and this is just a little too flat, and I don't know why. I just, it, it's wrong somehow. I think it just may be the scale that, you know, Marjorie had, had, had mentioned before when you guys were doing the review on the 12-inch Boba Fett, was that when you bring everything up to scale, things just look different. Like you guys had mentioned the pouch, Boba's pouch, how when it's a three and three-quarter inch, it doesn't look so funky but when you bring him up to 12 inches you know now he's looked like he's packing and maybe that's kind of how it is with the vinyl cape you know maybe it's just the scale that's making it kind of look abnormal but i totally agree i mean i if i was going to buy another one of these it would not be a human it would have to be a a a, uh, alien because they're just way cooler especially at the 12 inch scale i think they just look way cooler than the humans do I do look forward to the potential of a vinyl cape Jawa. I don't know if they'll do one. The double telescoping feature. I mean, I know we didn't get a lot of information on that, but I mean, hey, that's just how we roll, you know? So what about other gentle giant items this year? It seems like it's been kind of a hit or miss year. They finally started shipping things. They hadn't been for so long. There was such a gap in getting new things, but now we've started getting the new mini busts, the zombie stormtroopers, the regular and deluxe, and of course the convention exclusive that's now available, I think, for what? Two pence is the Macquarie Vader. Steve, can you confirm it's available for two pence? <laughs> um no. Sorry. <laughs> I think it costs just a little bit more than two P to be honest. It's been down like fifteen, twenty dollars I've seen. So and I know the exchange rate's really bad for us, so I figured. <laughs> are, are a lot of folks collecting these? Because I don't hear a lot of people talking about the Gentle Giant items, aside from the 12-inch vintage, just because it's such a topic of debate. But are a lot of people buying all these items? I think it's cooled down a lot, honestly. From judging by what I've heard and seen, it just seems like what they're buying are the busty women. Everybody's all excited about Ula and about... Darth Talon and about Slave Leia. But before Christmas, you saw so many, even like the exclusive versions of the Hoth Leia and Hoth Han and Hoth Luke, all going for $19 a piece. I love the idea of some of these. Some of them I think really look good. I love the pose of the Lando. 
I just don't like his face, you know? So I, I probably, I love collecting Lando things whenever I have a chance to, because they don't really make a lot of it. And unfortunately, I just don't like this entire package. Also, the cape looks like he's wearing <laughs> just one of those old capes that stop in the middle of your back, <laughs> you know? And I know it's a bust, but <laughs> it just looks really weird. So I like the pose. I just don't like everything else about it. So for me, these gentle giant busts, one of the reasons I never started collecting them uh, big time is because... When they cut it off like that, sometimes it ruins it. Sometimes it completely works. But in this situation, like also with the Aura Saint, even though she has a kick-ass pose, it just, it just feels like something's missing. Although she's probably the best one of all because that big giant gun. You know what they've done with some of the busts? And, you know, we're looking at the Lando that we saw, the prototype that may not be final product, but some of the busts have capes that actually continue and look like they're flowing out and kind of rumpled on the table. I think there was a Darth Vader like that where it looked like the cape had kind of bunched up at the bottom. Cool. They should have done something like that with the Lando instead of just cut. Yeah. Does anyone on the call collect any of the gentle giant mini busts, maquettes, or statues other than me? No. I do. I only got one uh, statue uh, this year. Excuse me, maquette. I got a gentle. I got the uh, black hole stormtrooper maquette, uh, which was really great. This was a, a trade I made with Darth Perry on the forums. Thank you, Sean. And it is absolutely amazing. I think that the what they're doing with the maquettes, uh, gentle giants doing with the maquettes this year is, is is incredible. We had the the Han Solo, I believe, was the was the San Diego Comic Con exclusive. Yes. Uh, maquette. And that was absolutely great. You know, I passed on that because I'm not a, a maquette guy. You know, I usually try to stick to the three and three quarters, but that was absolutely amazing. And so I am open to actually starting a collection on this line. I have to say that this year created the first general giant maquette that I love. And that's the Bosque. I know it's Clone Wars style, but he's just vintagey enough that it was the first maquette ever that I had to have now. Now, the only thing that really got my attention from Gentle Giant, being that I am a guy who, I mean, really when it comes to the the maquettes and the busts and stuff, I like to see them, but I'm not the kind of guy who's going to drop a lot of money on them. Uh, there were some that I found interesting, but it's just one of those things where I look at it, I look at the price, and I think I could find some signed novels for that, that sort of thing. But I will say that the one thing that really kind of piqued my interest outside of last year's chess set was which was about five hundred, six hundred dollars almost, was all those bookends. But it strikes me that these bookends, again, these bookends were talking like multiple hundreds of dollars in some cases, or at least over a hundred. And I find that a lot of people that I know who are big EU fans, who don't do a lot of collecting, who probably have never visited the Gentle Giant website ever before, probably like me, just now went to gentlegiant.com and discovered, oh, that's a moving company. I guess I'll have to go on Bing. Uh, it's, it's kind of out of the price range of those who it seems like those bookends would be more targeted towards. If you're talking a book collector trying to get them to make that jump from one company to another, or one type of collecting to another, it seems like they're a little higher end. With the exception, I think, of the Star Wars logo that was only about, what, 60 bucks or something like that. But when it comes to those nice sculpted bookends that might get them into Gentle Giant, they're pretty pricey for someone, you know, for, for a community that in many cases gripes about the cost of hardback novels at times, you know? You know, here's the thing that killed me about those bookends is 
I'm a big fan of waiting and buying things cheaper. But what they did with the Jabba's Palace bookends with the Han and Carbonite was they made an exclusive version that had an extra piece that you can only get if, theoretically, you pay them full price versus finding it cheaper at an e-tailer like Brian's Toys. And that kills me that they do that. But then again, I've picked up so much stuff lately from General Giant at 50, 60, 70% off on their own website because it's not moving. I wonder if this might bite them in the butt and I'll still get my bookends cheaper. But I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not paying over $200 for these bookends that I'll be able to buy for $100 on a website in six months that just won't have this one extra piece. I will not do that. Now, another general giant item new this year, their big pimpin' jewelry with their giant-ass class rings. Anybody buy that? Dealer? Anyone? Are you kidding? I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't buy my own class ring. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting tired of you guys mocking my jewelry collection. I'm ha- I've had it up to here. <laughs> For a second, yeah, I thought I was looking book. at her universe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, no. No, no okay. I actually, I, I'll be honest. I did see those rings and thought, you know, that may be something that I would pick up when I just saw the image of it because I'm a guy who I don't tend to wear rings most of the time, uh, but it's something that my students have asked about before was, you know, well, why don't you wear your class ring from college or from high school? And I tell them, you know what? I had a class ring from high school, never got one from college, and I had a state champion speech, uh, speech and debate uh, competition ring and all that kind of stuff. And somewhere along the way, when I moved from Indiana to Georgia, they got lost. And I've never been able to find them. I don't know where the things are. So I was thinking, hey, you know, a ring, you know, it's kind of, it's, it shows the fandom there, but it's not too goofy looking. And then again, I go, oh, that's about what? A third of my rent for a month? You know, and I, saw, I said, I can't do it. I think, I think the one disconnect for me is that I'm just, I'm just not in that target audience for the higher end collectibles. I mean, you give me something like the Jedi Path, those higher end book collectibles, I am diving for it. But I don't know. It almost feels like this is a niche that I can't see a lot of new people being pulled into. Do you guys see this? I mean, I know you're interacting with with collectors all over the place, conventions and everything else. Do you see a lot of new people coming in to pick up these product lines? Or is it sort of a once you're in it, you're in it and you just keep going? I think there's a couple different paths on this. You know what one of the hottest items at San Diego Comic-Con was? The belts and belt buckles. There was a company selling them, and it was like $20 it was Rock for Rebel one. Clothing, because well, I forgot to buy one. Rock Rebel Clothing. Mm-hmm. I forgot to buy the Star Wars belt because I would have worn it. I'm sure they'll be back next year because people were just, you'd think they were giving away free T-shirts, which is the hottest thing at Comic-Con ever is a free T-shirt. You will be trampled for a free T-shirt. It was almost that bad for these cheap belts. And people were loving them. Even people who may not be necessarily Star Wars fans, just your general Comic-Con goer was like, I want the Star Wars belt buckle. And we were kind of mocking it. Like, how can you sit? People were just going crazy for them. And so I do think that there is a casual fan base that will step up for the right item. That said, we're talking $20 for a belt buckle, not well over $100 for a sterling silver ring. Well, and I learned a very important lesson. Don't tell people to come up to you and show you their belt buckles <laughs> because they will. You saw a little too many treasure trails? I, nah, no, 
not a good thing. But I, I do know belt buckles are collectible. People do collect belt buckles and switch them out, much like people used to change their watch face colors, or people have a bunch of different sunglasses to accessorize with. It, it, people use it as an accessory, and people are not necessarily big Batman fans, but like Batman, sort of have the Batman shield, things like that. So maybe a Star Wars one could go into their rotation. You know what I mean? That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, actually, I do know a couple of people who collect belt buckles, but I don't know anybody who collects fancy uh, rings like that with a with a comic book or movie tie-in. We're still talking, though, also about, I mean, you just said, you know, a 20, was it $20 was what you said about the $20 ring versus something uh, higher end off the website and such. And I can see that. I mean, I can see the desire for Star Wars clothing and such, whether it's rings or anything else. Certainly they, they, got, they got that Her Universe promotion for the Imperial ring. One of the, the paths that I went through for my girlfriend for Christmas. She's a big sci-fi geek like me. Uh, got her some stuff off of Her Universe. But... That's still more practical clothing that you're going to wear, not on a daily basis, but wear within like your normal life. Whereas these are rings that you might wear, but the expense grows. But it still doesn't address whether or not new people come in for like the busts and the maquettes and things. I mean, they're really cool looking. But to be honest, aside from the people that I talk to as part of the, the Star Wars Action News forums, I know of virtually no Star Wars fans at all outside of those forums who have ever bought a thing from Gentle Giant. It's always been, sorry, it's too pricey, fun to look at, but that's it. Same thing goes when they do the comic with the little mini busts and stuff like they did with Crimson Empire. People see it, think it's cool, but I don't see a lot of what I would think of as like the casual fans or maybe just EU fans, because that's who I hang out with mostly, who are stepping up to the plate. And it's unfortunate because there's some really cool stuff, albeit a little pricey. Did you buy the Boba Fetish underwear set? Because that, that is a big divider for a number of people I've noticed. I did. I did. It's one of those things where I went practical on one thing and I went just that direction on the other. But it's kind of one of those things where she's not quite ready to get her Yoda tattoo yet because she hasn't picked the one she specifically wants uh, or hasn't had somebody draw one that she particularly wants. So I thought, you know, she's heading that direction anyway. Might as well go for it. I do know there's a lot of women out there who see stuff like that and think of it as sex. It's the same thing as when you've got those uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 swimsuits, the one-piece, not-very-revealing swimsuits that all of a sudden people are thinking are oh-so-sexist. You know, that's the point. It's a women's, well, at least with the Boba Fetish stuff, it's a women's clothing line. Granted, the swimsuits are a different company, but it's a women's clothing line. You want them to make, what, boxers for guys? Okay, the swimsuits are another whole creepy issue by another company. Those swimsuits are wrong. The R2-D2 and 3PO ones, they're just wrong. There's just all kinds of things. But I don't really think the Her Universe stuff is sexist. I don't understand why people have a problem with it. I think it's really awesome. I can get some underoo kind of things. But, oh, I mean, what do you expect? Wow. See, the only thing that bothers me about Her Universe is why is it that Ashley Eckstein goes on there and models every single article of their clothing except the Boba Fetish thing? I'm just saying. Hmm, I hadn't thought about that. Well, why don't you write her a letter and tell her such? No, no, no. I just, a couple of people brought that up to me a while back when I said that I was going to possibly be ordering stuff for her. Uh, But no, I will say one thing that does strike me as odd with her universe is they haven't done any promotions with anything signed. You would think that with Ashley Eckstein being such a big part of it, that that may be something that they would do is say, okay, well, here's this and here's a signed collectible. But they haven't seemed to have, have gone in that direction on anything. That was the thing that really shocked me. I was kind of thinking that maybe around Christmas time that may be something that would emerge, but there hasn't been. So 
As I look across the room at my Ahsoka prop replica saber from FX Collectibles, which is a signature edition by Dave Filoni, it makes me think that the Clone Wars actor signatures aren't all that in demand. Hey, I'd love to have Clone Wars actor signatures. I'm just, in fact, I'm, I'm to the point now where what am, I, what am I looking for? Signed comics and novels now that I've pretty much completed those collections. And the only other signed stuff I've been looking for is Clone Wars-based stuff. For some reason, I just can't get into getting signed actors and actresses from the films. I don't know why. It's like there's a mental barrier for me. But that's okay. I'm weird. Marjorie, um, you mentioned that those swimsuits, you weren't down with that. Those are not obviously a a her universe item. Do we know where they came from? The droid? It's a company in England, I thought. Wasn't it, Arnie? Because all I know is I saw that picture, and the first thought that came into my head was, those are the droids I'm looking for. You know, I think those are sexy outfits. Not really. if you look at them, they're wrong. Yeah, I mean, of course just... they are. They're, they're in, and that's not the kind of thing we typically see with a Star Wars license. But I got well, a smile when I saw the picture. I thought it was a funny thing. The I, placement I, of certain things is wrong. <laughs> I didn't think that it was actually a real thing for sale. I thought when someone sent me the picture, I thought it was just like a joke like someone made for like a Halloween. No, it something. is really for amazing sale. Amazing to me. It's amazing that I got licensed. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, while we're speaking of her universe, I love their products. I have some of their shirts, and I think they're great. They are high quality, as Ashley has said many times on our show. And I really like them. I was excited that they got some Imperial logo earrings in the Boba Fetish underwear set. The only thing that they have, I will tell you, is if you are buying this for a woman that is your woman friend or whatever you want to call her, look at their measurements because they're not really made for busty gals. And that's something that I I think they're made for like little itty bitty tiny people like Ashley, who's like super itty bitty. It's not a European company. Oh, it's not? by James Lillis of Black Milk, where they have a lot of really cool one-piece swimsuits, including the Star Wars ones. And he's done some other Star Wars stuff, too. But, I mean, they've got the swimsuit that's like a George Washington dollar. They've got a swimsuit that's like an x-ray, so you just see the bones. You really should check them out at blackmilkclothing.com. We'll link to it from the Star Wars Action News homepage. Please don't blame us Brits for those swimsuits. They really are awful. Um, I I bought bought Suzanne the Boba Fetish underwear for Christmas. Shh, don't tell her. Um, I I also managed to get that little R2-D2 pin, which did come with a little uh, sort of signed card with it. I've, I've also bought the rhinestone cap. Um, which I thought was really nice as well. A bit of bling uh, being introduced into the ladies' fashion line. But I think her universe are really doing some good stuff for the, you know, for the female collector. I gotta say, you know, it's good that that Marjorie says it's built for smaller folks because uh, my girlfriend is uh, a smaller individual. Uh, the thing that jumps out at me that Marjorie said a second ago was the the swimsuits are wrong. Now, I given that they go out there and sell, you know, slave Leia costumes, I gotta figure it's not because of that. Is it because it's droids and not human or humanoid characters? What? Is it specifically that makes them so wrong? Because I don't really know much about them other than a couple of pictures somebody posted on Facebook a while back. If you look at how the suits are printed. Specifically R2. R2. There are R2 parts and areas that are wrong. And you got to look at the backside of it. And the front. And the front. It just, it's not a very flattering swimsuit, I think. The C-3PO one is much better. Yeah. The R2 one, it's just, it's emphasizing certain orifices. 
And I have no problem with the slave lay outfits. That's great. You can wear it. That's awesome. Make sure you wear underwear because there's plenty of girls who are kicked off the Lucasfilm stage every year at Comic-Con for not wearing underwear. <laughs> so um, there's something you guys going to Comic-Con you can look forward to, I guess. Those are the ones you buy drinks for, guys. But I, I just I don't think they're very attractive or appealing. And I don't think they do anything to make you more attractive or appealing because it's just a weird print and it looks weird. That's what's wrong about it. I have no problem with it. I think that's awesome. And I think that the maybe the original triangle logo would be really cool on a white swimsuit, too. But it's just that the placement's all wrong. They do have the dark side of the force one that's like the dark side of the moon album cover with yeah. Vader. They have that as a swimsuit as well. See, that's kind of cool. Okay, I just, I just didn't know enough about them, I guess. I, I I just couldn't imagine it being an offensive thing, but it seems like it's more a matter of, of stylistic approach, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't bother me at all. That's not it. Is that a it's just merely R2 has a couple ports in porty places. <laughs> I saw a picture of a dress the other day on Twitter. Somebody had posted it on Twitter, and it was the Star Wars opening crawl on a dress. And I thought that would make quite a nice swimsuit, definitely. That's a sure way to get attention, I think. There'd be lots of lecherous men who want to read your swimsuit, quote-unquote. Now, let's go back to her universe for a second. What do you guys think of it as guys? I know there's a big war going on about a month ago about how guys are saying, we need a shop like her universe. And then the girl shot back and said, everything's made for you, which I really didn't take a side on that. A cool t-shirt's a cool t-shirt for me. It's great if it fits me better. I have a shop like her universe. It's called T Fury. Um, <laughs> I have an ever-growing Star Wars tea collection, and I've I've loved some of the stuff on Tea Fury this year. Particularly loving the eight-bit Boba T-shirt, and uh, something just came in the mail for me today, which was the Tuscan Pride T-shirt. So, uh, Tea Fury is my her universe. You know, I love her universe. It's great. I mean, my wife, she's not she's not as cool as you, Marjorie. You know what I mean? She she puts up with my my Star Wars collecting but Aww, she's you're sweet to aw, me. but she's not she's not uh, you know not a collector you know she's not a collector at all and she's a lot younger than i am so the whole star wars phase kind of passed her but she loves the boba fetish underwear that i got her for her birthday and the r2d2 pin i also um at comic-con actually was nice enough to sign uh, one of the burnout t-shirts so i actually got her two burnout t-shirts one that you know we could frame and one for her to wear so, but it's, you know, and it's, it's very hard to pick clothing out for a woman, you know, I mean, every single thing I've ever bought for my wife, I think she's t- taken back except for the, her universe stuff. I mean, she loves it because most of the, the t-shirts and the jewelry, they're so subtle that it's not going to bring you out of the closet as a quote unquote star Wars fan, you know, and Arnie, you mentioned on la- on on the first podcast, uh, part one, that you know you with all the toys on your desk, you're the weird toy guy at work. Listen, brother, we're all the weird toy guys at work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but for my wife, this is this is great for her. You know, it's subtle. If a, if a Star Wars fan, uh, another Star Wars fan girl comes up and sees uh, the ear earrings or something, it recognizes. It's nice, you know, nice icebreaker. But it doesn't put you out there. It doesn't put my wife out there as, you know, a card-carrying uh, fangirl. You know, she likes to, to ride the fence. So that, that's one of the things I like about her universe. And I, I can't wait to see what's coming out because the one thing I like about Ashley is that she really embraces the Ahsoka character. You know, you have other people like Harrison Ford and Natalie Portman who just 
seems like they really haven't embraced Star Wars. You know, they don't want to sign anything. They don't want to do anything. But Ashley is is Ahsoka. And I think that it helps with her line of clothing and her line of goods because she's actually, this is good. We need to make changes with this. And not only that, but she's open to hear from the fans, you know, always on her Facebook page, on the Her Universe Facebook page. She's always asking for different ideas. What would we would like as fans? And she really takes those ideas and incorporates it into her line. And I, I really appreciate that if other fanboys and fangirls doesn't, don't really understand what that is, but that's a really big deal in the Star Wars community. You also have the fact that she is bringing in, from the standpoint of T-shirt designs and different and outfit designs, she's bringing in other female Star Wars personalities, in this case artists like Cat Staggs, to do it. And that's another thing that's sort of promoting this women in fandom thing. I mean, what did we just see uh, with the little girl? I think it was, was it Katie was her name? Uh, who got the whole blasting because of the Star Wars water bottle. And yeah, it brought up the bullying thing, but it brought again up this whole idea that, oh, well, Star Wars is a boys thing. And sci-fi and sci-fi properties are generally geared that direction. Even though we have a lot of women like Sue Rostoni who play big roles in, say, the Star Wars expanded universe, it still is much more of a male-oriented push when it comes to advertising and everything else. Uh, it, it's, I guess you could say it's the equivalent. Those Star Wars fans out there who say, the males, who say there should be a her universe or there should at least be a male version of it dang it because that's discrimination it's kind of like the way that i feel teaching in the school where i teach when my probably 10 percent of white students come up every now and then and say why does there have to be a black history month why isn't there a white history month and i'm thinking you know that's because every month is white history month exactly every month is white history month take a look at our curriculum for u.s history and world history if you don't believe that but it's the same type of thing. Every place you can get Star Wars memorabilia, especially clothing, is effectively a his universe. The whole reason her universe has been such a success is that these are clothing lines geared specifically towards female figures, towards female interests. Why do you think it had to exist in the first place, folks? Because the niche wasn't filled. It's the same thing as the Black History gripes that I hear every year. And it bugs me that Star Wars fans overall, there are times when we are for lack of a better term, we are closed-minded. We don't realize why something exists. We just put a target on it and start taking pot shots. Here's the thing. I almost wonder if it's not saying we need a Her Universe for men. It's that Her Universe created a movement, and it just so happened to come at the same time as that Team Unicorn video and everything, and it created this geek girl wave that Katie rode after that point. And it's not like... There haven't been geek girls before. I met you in 1999. You weren't just created this year out of a laboratory. No, but I think back then I was called a nerd. But I really think that this geek girl thing, oh, it's trendy right now. I'm not, I'll just come right out and say it. Everybody's jumping on the geek girl bandwagon. When you can buy Marvel stuff, really cool Marvel stuff in Walmart, don't tell me that being a geek isn't trendy. No, it's the people who grew up with this stuff are now adults and still buying it because we have way too much dispensable income. But yeah, the, I've been going to cons for years and years, and guess what? There's a lot of girls there. I will say I think there are more girls now ratio-wise than there were five years ago or even ten years ago. I think that people say, oh, Comic-Con, it's full of geeky boys. Um, Not so much. No. There's no. plenty of women there. You know, I think that there's a thing, though, in what you guys just said, because when Arnie first was approaching this, he said, 
geek girls and talking about that essentially being sort of a trend these days. And then, Margie, when you replied, you simply said geekdom or geek is a trend. I think that's the thing. There's this big push. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Geek girls. That's a big deal. I'm not sure that it's so much that it became cooler all of a sudden to be a geek and a girl so much as things like it did. Like, but with comic book movies, sci-fi growing so much, it seems like geekdom in general is on an upswing. Couldn't you make the argument that the geek girl thing is just kind of catching a part of that upswing? Yeah, maybe it's propelled a little bit faster than men, but men were already up there. I'm not sure that it's a separate movement. No, I, I, here's why I think it's a separate movement. And I, I honestly think it's marketing. I don't think that there are more geek girls this year than last year. I don't think all of a sudden geek girls are being created. I think they've always been here, but all of a sudden Hollywood, like Team Unicorn and marketing like her universe are cashing in on it. And because it's all happening so quick, it's becoming this current fad. So that's why I think that, and I honestly think that some non-geek girls are jumping on the bandwagon because there are now those blogs, you know, like there's always somebody trying to get a book deal by doing something every day, right? Like there's the guy who followed the Bible to the letter every day for a year or the lady who did one of Julia Child's recipes. Julia, Julie and Julia. Every day for a year. So there's all these people trying these. I see all these like soccer moms who are like trying to go geek and blogging it every day for a year or something like that. And it's like, all right, you're just really trying to jump in on this. But I don't think there's more geek girls than there were before. I just think now they have an outlet and a voice and perhaps maybe a little more acceptance among their own peers. But I never felt that I was never accepted. And I never felt ostracized because I was a geeky or nerdy girl. People of my generation, this is how we are. We are the first generation that grew up with all these toys like this. And then now we've gotten older and we have the money to buy things. I think that's why companies like General Giant and Master Replicas were able to take off in early 2000s because of our generation. I have never once felt that I was... I had to hide my geekness and I had to not say who I was. And I really think that there are people who are just jumping on the bandwagon and, you know, Team Unicorn, I might get skewered for that. But I think that's just how it is. I don't think geek girls are unicorns. And I can tell by just the listeners to this show, we have a ton of female listeners and they have normal jobs. And, you know, they're not like that lady on the movie Trekkies or anything that called herself the commander. But... I just think it's it's super trendy now for everyone to be a geek, girl, boy, whatever. It doesn't matter your gender, but it's helping me get some really cool merchandise. Hey, when I can walk into my classroom and hear them arguing Team Jacob and Team Edward when we're in like the quasi ghetto here. Yeah, I, I think it's pervasive. You know, the, the one thing about the geekdom is that I, I kind of feel like the way Star Wars collectibles are right now. It's just there's so much. And I think you guys talked about this on the last um, on a couple couple episodes ago of Star Wars Action News with the Williams and Sonoma stuff. It, I remember how much fun it was back in 91, 92 when this stuff kind of started slowly creeping back in. And it's just like, hey, I've got a few Star Wars things now that I can kind of get excited about. And I'm just kind of 
me and a couple people who get it. And now it seems like it's everywhere. And do, do you guys feel like that there's just way too much out there? And that you, I, I, me personally, I've even sold off all of my 12 inch sideshow stuff just because I'm like, I look at my collection thinking, man, this stuff is really just taking me over because I got more stuff than I ever figured I would ever get in a lifetime as a Star Wars collector. And I got to make some choices. And I said, hey, 12 inch figures. OK, I'm done with that. I'm, I'm no longer a 12 inch collector. So do you guys feel like that? You know, maybe not this year in particular, although this year seemed like it had a lot of stuff because of celebration and Empire Strikes Back 30th anniversary. But have we are, are we getting close to a 1985 to where it's going to have to, you know, break and fall apart and maybe get a third renaissance again because now it's just too popular? You know, I, I think Marjorie may have hit on this earlier. What I think when you're talking about, Jerry, to me, in the way I see it as being pervasive is I go to Old Navy and I see a Star Wars shirt. I go to Target, I see Star Wars stuff. I go to Walmart, I see Star Wars stuff. Everywhere I go, I see Star Wars. Whereas before, you only could find it in certain places. And now it is everywhere, just like it was back in the day when you used to go, you know, I used to go shopping with my mom uh, in all these big department stores. You would see a lot of it there in different sections. And it's kind of cool in a way that you can get a Star Wars t-shirt Old Navy for a little kid or a Lego Star Wars t-shirt at Target. But on the other hand, I'm, I mean, I'm a Star Wars fan. I love Star Wars, but I'm getting a little tired of it being everywhere. It's, this is my thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm really, really glad a new generation's getting into Star Wars. I really, really am. But it just seems like it's absolutely everywhere. And maybe you're right. Maybe it's going to bottom out soon. I don't know that I agree that it's going to bottom out. I think that because The Clone Wars is on TV every week and it was a huge hit and the movie's coming out and the fact that our generation has grown up and still buying it and now the kids are buying it, I think this is a natural extension. That said, Jerry, I agree with you in that I was buying a lot more two years ago than I am now because two years ago I felt like I could have it all. And now I feel like, well, I can't have it all. And some of it that I was buying, I don't want. Now even more of it, I don't want. And it's caused me to be far more selective about my purchases the same way you said, the way you said you're not a 12-inch collector. Although I think Sideshow had a really good year this year as far as 12-inch goes. I mean, they had the sweet Gamorrean Guard, which is possibly even better than the Hasbro Gamorrean Guard. But I never got fully into the 12-inch line anyway. I just think that when it comes to the more housewares-y items, and I think the beginning of the end for me, as far as that goes, was the Darth Vader toaster, which was cool <laughs> when it was a Cylon, because that's a toaster. They call them toasters, and when they did it with Darth Vader, it's like, no, you're not as cool, and no, I'm not buying that toaster. You know, actually, I think the Sideshow, you're right, Sideshow had a lot of great things, and they they actually came out, Oh well, let me put it this way, about a year and a half ago, I made a list of if Sideshow made these things, I would definitely buy them, just to kind of keep myself in check. It seemed like every one of them came out this year, and their prices are... Uh, they're kind of out there. I mean, wasn't there like an R2 3PO 12 inch scale, like two pack that they were like a you know, hundred some odd dollars a piece, or maybe, I don't know, 175 for the pay. I, I don't even remember. Cause it's been earlier in the year, but I looked at everything they had coming out, you know, a, a one six scale fed of some, some variety that maybe they're doing with hot toys or something. I don't remember, but I looked at it all in the sand troopers and all that. And I was like, Oh dear God, I got to stop because they're making all these things. And I think I did the math. I think it would have been like an $800 purchase this year on Sideshow stuff. And I would have gotten the Gamorrean because I used to have the 12 inch scale job of the HUD. And I was just like, I got, I got to get out of this. This is just too much. 
Well, a lot of what you're talking about, I know that back in February, they put up for pre-order the Metacom R2-D2 and C3PO. And I know Metacom did the Boba Fett. And Metacom is crazy expensive. I mean, the quality is outstanding. But it's crazy expensive, even more so than the 12-inch. Now, the 12-inch, when they started, I was like, oh, God, $50. And now they're routinely 100 or around 100 and sometimes over 100 like the Darth Vader. I have trouble justifying it, although I do recognize the quality. And I will respect anyone who buys them. I didn't think they had the greatest quality at the beginning. They've upped the quality with the prices. But this year, they've done so much with the armor. And I almost feel like there's been too much of the repaints of the Stormtroopers and the Sand Troopers and the other Sand Trooper and the 501st Trooper. They they finally got their armor and they took it to town this year. And I was kind of glad I wasn't a 12-inch collector myself for that exact same reason. Is It's just it would have been so much this year that said they finally got around to doing the yoda and so many other figures that were needed now as we're talking about sideshow i kind of lost my love for their premium format line this year i think the only one i picked up was the yoda versus the clone i just they they went too obscure on me this year doing the darth talon and they had the sideboard darth maul i i just like yeah and then by the time they came around with the clone where you can put on the episode two or episode three head i was already off the completest premium format bandwagon there I was actually kind of happy to see that between Gentle Giant and Sideshow, they're actually giving some love to some of these legacy characters, characters that are so far beyond the mainstream of the EU in many respects that a lot of attention aren't being paid to them when it's a really, really awesome series. Granted, it was Darth Talon, and it seems like they picked her more for her curves than anything else. I'm wondering how they're all going to feel when they realize the true nature of uh, Darth Talon's and all the other Sith's tattoos in relation to what we're seeing coming up in the Clone Wars and everything, but... I like the fact that we see it. It's it's a little tawdry, given who they chose, but at least they're dipping into it. That was a time when I looked and said, you know what? If that didn't cost me an arm and a leg, if I didn't have to choose between that and eating for a little bit, that may have been one I would have picked up just to be able to say, see this? This goes with my legacy comics, my favorite comic series of Star Wars ever, and this character is a standout aspect of it. Put it right next to my signed John Ostrander and Jan Dursama comics from the series. It would have made a great little showcase, but not for that price. Yeah, but even if it was free, I mean, it. I think we talked about this on the show, Marjorie, how it just doesn't scream Star Wars. People are going to come downstairs, and if they see this, they're going to think you have some weird body-painted stripper statue. They're not going to think it's Star Wars. No, your average person isn't going to think it's Star Wars, which I'm not saying that's a reason to get or not get something. That's just a problem with some of the EU stuff, I think, is it doesn't scream Star Wars. This is true. This is true. I'll give you that. Oh, there's a lot of stuff within the EU that never screams Star Wars, even within the EU itself. True. Yeah. I mean, the problem is, even if you have unlimited money, it's very rare the person who has unlimited space, and you've got to pick and choose your items. And most of us don't have unlimited money either. So when you're picking and choosing, I personally prefer to choose something that's more iconic and that I actually have, you know, real affinity for in my heart. There, I love the EU or some aspects of it anymore. But, man, it's got to be something really, really special for me to devote that much space and money to it from the EU. Same thing from the movies. I don't know necessarily that I'd be down for a Dexter Jetster premium. For, actually, I'm, I'm lying. I would love a Dexter Jetster premium format figure. Sideshow, get on that. 
four arms of pure joy. But I think <laughs> <laughs> that came out wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to touch wow, that man. one. Oh. <laughs> but just as far as Darth Talon or anything from Knights of the Old Republic goes, I mean, it, it, to touch on Jell Giant again, they started doing the Knights of the Old Republic maquettes, and I'm just like, whoa, no way, no way. What's funny is that I look at it the other way around. To to me, as someone who is, I mean, to be honest with you, I spend much more time with the EU than I do with the movies anymore. Maybe the Clone Wars cartoon series for Republic Forces, but that's about it. So to me, that is a great gateway. If you are someone who is looking into getting into a new type of collecting, someone who does have that money to spend, you were going to spend it on something. I look at it as, man, how many times can they do a Luke statue or a Luke figure or a Luke maquette or whatever? How many times can they do Vader or Han? Yeah, yeah, we've seen them all before. But an EU character, a character we haven't seen overdone, sign me up. That would have been, to me, a gateway into collecting those types of things. So I think it, it can go the other direction if you're talking about new members, not the target audience that already exists. It can. It really can. I actually disagree, though, as far as new members. I think if you're new to Star Wars, that Luke, even though it's the 100th Luke to us, is a new Luke to you. And I'm finding that with my Marvel collecting, I'm probably looking at the 1,000th Spider-Man statue ever made. But because I'm new to Marvel collecting, I'm like, ooh, it's Spider-Man, and he's iconic, and I want him. I think that for the people who already have their Lukes and already have their Vaders, then we're like, all right, I don't want another Luke. And so they bring out Darth Talon. It's just a question of, was Darth Talon the right choice, or was she a choice for TNA? I personally would have preferred to see somebody a little bit more established in various sources in the EU, or perhaps a minor Star Wars character who went on to have a major role in the EU versus somebody who's appeared in just the comics and a good comic series. But I definitely it's not the first thing I think of when I think of Star Wars. So you're thinking oh, yeah, like a was... pigs in a wedge kind of thing. Well, the, uh, Wedge did have a big EU thing. I don't know that they could do a whole lot with him visually. Sure. Um, maybe I'm trying to think of somebody who was in the movies. It happened more with the prequels where these people were given stories that they already made a premium format or a sing. And that's what I keep going to. Right. Um, Say Sebulba, even though he's he's granted a, a, a mainstream film character, but he's certain, certainly a side character compared to others. But did he have a lot in the EU? Not that I know of. No, not really. Not really. Uh, I, I guess I, I'm right there with you on the idea of why Darth Talon. She definitely was there for the TNA. That's why she's on the number zero issue, and you're like, why is this woman even here? Throughout the course of the story, her real impact only comes a couple of times, and granted, they're particularly impactful moments, but you know, even in some of those impactful moments, one of the two impactful moments that she gets has to do with sex with another major character you know it's kind of one of those type of, of well if you're going to play up the sex aspect at least they're being honest about it um, but i know I, I get what you're saying that you could do something more with other characters i think it's just the it felt like because you mentioned things like even the knights of the old republic stuff knights of the old republic when it comes to the games those are some very well-known characters because it was one of the best-selling star wars games ever it was a system seller for the original xbox I'm not sure that all EU characters fall under that same mantle of who are these? Why am I going to spend the money on it? For some people, that's where they would gravitate to. I would much rather buy, for example, for me, a Cade Skywalker statue than buy a Luke Skywalker statue. Much rather. But Nathan, is it more about her being a Twi'lek, which is a highly sexualized 
character in Star Wars. Anyway, for some reason, guys really like those tentacles or whatever they are. Maybe that's kind of gone into anime. Or is it kind of that she's got the same tattoos as Darth Maul, and Darth Maul's a very beloved character because he kicks some ass, and there wasn't enough of them, people thought. Ooh, are people sublimating a homoerotic desire for Darth Maul through Darth Talon? Mm. That's kind of deep now. But you know what I mean? I mean, people, like, will hang on to one familiar character, and so you keep pumping out a character like that, even though you've already killed that original character. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. But I think it could be... You could make a lot of different arguments as to why they would have chosen her, but given the pose, given the way that they were using her to promote the series when she had so little to do at the time, there, there's at least a TNA factor to it to a degree. It may be the Darth Maul tie-in as well, but you could also make the argument that, okay, if it's going to be a Darth Maul color scheme, virtually every single Sith in Legacy has a Darth Maul color scheme. The Sith of that era derive those tattoos because they're basing it on Darth Maul's tattoos. Now, the origin of Maul's tattoos has now changed, thanks to the Clone Wars, but even Leland Chi says, yes, all the ones later on, those are derived directly from basing it essentially on the look of Darth Maul. So they could have used one of the Quarren ones. I think it was Darth Azard. Uh, they could have done any. So they could have done Darth Crate with his mask off because he has tattoos similar, not exactly, but he's got um, the, the Tusken tattoos that would at least be somewhat iconic. Say, oh, well, tattooed Star Wars character. It's evil. It's got a lightsaber. Must be Sith. Well, I have to say the TNA factor worked as I bought the exclusive Jandarisima Darth Talon print from, I think, C4. Hey, she had nice boobs, not going to lie. That no. was the nicest boobs on any Star Wars poster, figure, whatever. Very shapely. <laughs> but They're probably fake. They, oh, of course. Those are totally implants. By the force. But I don't know how much... Yes. No. I can't... Maybe I, I, that's I, how they lifted exactly. separate. <laughs> <laughs> Check out the midichlorians over there. I have a question about all of this because I, I'm not a collector of the sideshow stuff. But my quick question is this. You guys mentioned earlier about it's a great – you know, you need to have the Luke and the Hans out there for the new people. I completely agree with that. But is it the same Luke and Hans? They always – like is there a certain like 10 or 12 that are always out, always available, not limited edition that you can always get? And therefore, you no. can always start there. That would be a really smart thing to do. It would be, except they have to do production runs. You know, you can't just make them and you don't want to sit with a warehouse full of them because every day you don't sell something is money lost. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. I, I just thought maybe like if they had a second production run and a very popular one, you wouldn't have to release another Luke. You know, if, if, if the first runaround on, I don't know, uh, X-Wing fighter Luke was successful five years or no five years later release them again saying same one for the new guys you know and maybe that would maybe that would be a good way to do it i don't know I, I, well you're talking about what kotobukiya does kotobukiya doesn't do limited runs but yet you see something like their boba fett this year from that empire strikes back bounty hunter set the boba fett's incredibly hard to find sells for hundreds of dollars on ebay but he's not limited they just didn't make enough and the guys at Kodo are telling me they're looking at going back and producing more because they don't put edition sizes on. There you go. So with Kodo, they kind of do that. With Sideshow and such, Sideshow, Gentle Giant, FX Collectibles, they don't do that as much. If they bring it out, they bring it out, again, different, which can appeal to the new people as well as the old, honestly. It's, it's a win-win for them to not have a perennial loop. They can change the pose, change the sculpture. They have tooling costs again, but people like me, they'll get again, where, and they'll still get all the new people, mm -hmm. too. Now, that segues into Kodo, who's provided the first new product in a long time this year. I guess they had, Barrett, you picked up the 
Clone Wars three packs of figures, right? Yeah, I picked up the Clone Wars three packs of figures. Uh, I really enjoyed them. What do you think of their new offerings with the smaller scale statues where they're doing the Darth Maul with the light up saber, the Boba Fett, and the Stormtrooper two pack? I think it's great. I think any of those statues with the light up features, I mean, anything with, with extra features that distinguishes the statues from anything else that's out there, or even from previous statues, like you said, like, you know, you may have a Han or you may have a Luke or you may have this actual statue, but you don't have this version or with this person, you know, wearing this. But when you have those light up features um, and stuff like that, it, it's, it makes me want to buy them more. It gives me more of an excuse to spend my money. Now, as far as the two pack of clones goes, I did pass on that one only because, you know, it was, it was around the time when, um, you know, I was deciding on what other high-end items I may or may, ha- may or may not buy. Because, frankly, like you said, if you have unlimited space, you don't have unlimited money, or it's rare that you have both. So the light-up features, those special features, I would it, it's more attractive to me. I completely understand. I've kind of, I get kind of bored with light-up features because of the batteries involved and because when you have these light-up features, you know, how often do you really turn them on? Is my question, do you leave the batteries in? Do you take the batteries out so that we don't have corrosion? Do you put the batteries in on the times that you're going to plug it in? So I, I kind of wary a little bit of the light-up features at times, except on something that just so deserves it, like a Force FX lightsaber. But that said, yeah, I, I can see that. I'm just glad to see Kodo back in the mix. I think Kodo makes some astounding stuff. I picked up most of the Bounty Hunters this past year. The only one I'm missing is the Boba Fett. And... It's just that I'm so glad to see them back and in style because I think that they're an underrated company still among Star Wars collectors. People look at General Giant and Sideshow a lot more than Kodo, and Kodo makes some great stuff at good prices. It's just it looks so good in a glass shelf. It's just really lightweight. <laughs> now, the other company that I really has done quite a bit this year is FX Collectibles, and they've kind of skewed towards the cheaper collectibles perhaps because of the recession or whatever, but they've been doing a lot of the stunt sabers down at the $100 mark and the stunt helmets in around the $200 to $300 mark. Has that enticed you guys more than, say, the $300 to $500 sabers and the $500 to $1,000 helmets? No, I'm afraid I've, I've not been enticed at all by these, even with a cheaper price point. It's, it's just not something that interests me, I'm afraid. Yeah, I've got to echo that. I kind of have on my one FX lightsaber, and even the, um, I mean, I guess that's Hasbro, but even the removable blade hasn't really gotten me in back into those type of collectibles. Or, um, and I've, I've never been into the uh, prop replica thing, so I, I... The Count Dooku one was really in demand. As a, a fan who does costuming, you know, I, my wife and I, we enjoy costuming to these different cons. The stunt sabers were, you know, they're a really good price point. Arnie, you made on your podcast when you were reviewing the stunt sabers, you made a very good comment of saying that, you know, when you go to these cons, you know, there's so many people there. You get knocked around, you drop your saber, and you do these other things with it. With these stunt sabers, you know, they're they're at a price point where if you take it to a con, you know, and you drop it a few times, you spill something on it, you know, it's nothing that you can't replace. It's just a cool looking saber. You know, I plan on wearing that that saber to 
some cons next year when I when I costume. Are you guys just more interested in the ones that have the light up feature for the same price versus a hilt that's a little bit more chromed but has the display base and such? You know, it's actually the opposite for me. I don't care about the blade. In fact, at one point I did buy one of the I remember what they were called at the time, one of the FX sabers. I guess it was from uh, Master Replicas and the thing didn't work. And then I replaced it and it still didn't work. So I kind of got burned out on the idea of having the ones with the blades. I like the idea of having a really nice hilt that can be sitting there as a display piece. But I'm looking for something on the lower end cost-wise as far as that goes. I don't care about it being 100% accurate and hundreds of dollars more because of that. Give me one of the ones with the removable blade, and I'll use that as a display piece. I can find those, if I'm not mistaken, I can find those at my local Books A Million at this point as part of a, a special thing they've got going on. So those intrigue me, but not the the higher end. It almost feels like this is sort of Master Replicas reduced again, you know? It really is because it's the same guys who did the Star Wars stuff at Master Replicas doing it now for this other company because Master Replicas went bankrupt. But I don't know. I, I kind of like the fact that they're doing it at a lower price point. That said, because I have so many of the higher price point ones, I haven't bought a single one of the lower price point ones. I think if you have the higher end ones, you don't need the lower end ones. That's it. But vice versa, if you have the lower end ones, I don't know that you need the higher end ones. I just think they look that nice, although like the Kodos, they just weigh a lot less. Well, guys, thanks a lot. It's been fun, and we're going to be back next week to look at the Expanded Universe and looking forward to 2011. All right. Sounds good. See you, guys. Hope I can make it. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that show at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at swactionnews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can help support Star Wars Action News by using the affiliate links on our homepage when shopping online. We would also appreciate it if you spread the word about Star Wars Action News by posting about us on Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, or just tell a friend about the show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can also cast a vote for us each month at Podcast Alley. Links to both can be found on our homepage at SWActionNews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please visit yakface.com, hanshideout.blogspot.com, and jeditemplearchives.com, and we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is web programmers Jason and Joe, associate produced by Brock, 
Reporters Jerry and Steve, graphic design by Chris, and podcast enhancement by Berent. Star Wars Action News is copyright 2010, all rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademarked and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Star Wars Action News is a production of Venganza Media Incorporated. Hello! Glad to be here. So I just imagine now the belly button doing that. <laughs> I pictured him with the arm in the air, actually, the Seinfeldian arm. <laughs> He's up. like Uncle Leo. Hello! You have my pen? <laughs>